Ahoy, and welcome to The Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Okay, I'm really excited to be back. There's a lot of tea in this episode. So we're, I had surgery for anyone that missed it. That's why I took like a month off. It was no joke recovery. So anyways, today I'm covering a Good Girl, Bad Blood, which is the sequel to Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson, part two. So go back and listen to part one. You know the drill, whatever. Okay, so... <laughs> recap of last episode is Jamie goes missing. He's like the main point of this book. He's a mama's boy. Their words, not mine. And his dad's frustrated with him because he like still lives at home. He's like not getting his life together. Jamie was friend zoned by Nat De Silva. He was looking for someone at a calamity party and something about a baby. He just like says it over the phone or whatever. Oh, and uh, Max, the trash monster, was at Sal and Andy's memorial service. So, that being said, things to look forward to. A knife, a catfish, but not of the fish variety, of the human variety, and a Fitbit? We'll get there. Okay, let's do this. Chapter 14. Okay, so, if we remember last time, Pip was like, I can't tell my parents that I'm working on this, so they'll be all mad. Okay, so we gotta get this out of the way before she can keep working on it, because obviously... So Pip ma- Pip's mom confronts her about the missing person photos she saw all over town. And basically, Pip explains that she had to do it and it's her responsibility, etc., etc. And her mom brings up like all the terrible things that happened last year, including the doggo, which we won't talk about. And then Pip's like, I had no choice. It's like you have plenty of choices, but whatever. Anyways, we wouldn't be here if Pip thought she had a choice. So her dad interferes and she's like... Pip's 18. She's responsible. She can do what she wants. Which, she's 18, but she's also in high school and lives with her parents. I'm sorry. No. She doesn't have to do this, and she doesn't get to make her own decisions. If her parents say no, that's the end of it, unless she wants to start paying her own bills. But that's just my own personal opinion being an elder emo. Whatever. So anyways, her parents get over it, like long story short, but her mom says it's her job to protect Pip, so if it like becomes obsessive or they're in danger or whatever like pip has to tell the mom and the mom can be like school's more important it is don't worry about it so anyways pip then tells her mom that she doesn't think that the mom will see jamie at work tomorrow because jamie was interning at the real estate office and she's like pip's telling her mom all this stuff like where she's at up to this point she's like there's a couple of red flags his phone being turned off obviously him acting strangely and out of character and the mom's like well, maybe acting strangely isn't out of character for Jamie. And then it said out of Jamie's character. It got me all tripped up in my notes. Anyways, and Pip's like, Mom, what do you know that I don't know? Oh my gosh, I'm going to interview you. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, Season 2, Interview with Mom. So it's kind of like, you'll have to read it for yourself. It's kind of cute. Like it's classic mom not knowing technology, how it works. So it's like half of it's like, inaudible and the mom's like talking or pip's like talking to the mic you have to like angle it this way it's a whole it's basically what i tell josh when we do episodes together (laughs) he works at it anyways okay pip tells her mom she's like jamie had a shift on friday before the memorial was he acting strange then and the mom's like uh jamie doesn't work for the agency anymore he left like two and a half weeks ago tea scalding so pip's like uh he quit and the mom's like uh there was an incident his mom speak of saying like uh we fired him so anyways the mom like here's the, the full tea about it but the mom was like i was going to lunch and i left jamie alone in my office and i came back and i found him trying to get 
the company credit card out of my desk. He must have taken my keys when I wasn't paying attention. And he also, like, she explains it that he was, like, probably going to go to the ATM to take the money out. I don't really know how that works with a credit card. Whatever. I don't know. She's like, he had the pin because he's bought office supplies before. I don't know. So anyways, so he starts apologizing and he's like, I just needed money. I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't life or death. And Pip's like, what does that mean? And the mom's like, I didn't ask. Someone says it's life or death and you're like, was something wrong with your mom or your brother? Like, what do you need? Let me help you. No, she's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to ask that question because that would be really helpful. So the mom tells Jamie that she's not going to call the police or make any trouble for him, but like he can't work there anymore. But also, I don't care that you're going through trouble. Just get out of here. Real sensitive mom. And he apologizes again. He's like, I wouldn't do this if I didn't have to. And the mom's like, I just assumed he was trying to get money for something illegal. Drugs. And it's like, no. Well, I mean, I guess he might have, but like, that's not what this seems like. So anyway, so Pip's not too sure. Same. So Pip ends on a lingering question. Whose life or death? Did he mean obviously his or someone else's? Whatever. Chapter 15. Pip tells Joanna and Connor. So that's James' mom and brother. And she like tells them the tea. And apparently the most heartbreaking part for the mom is when Jamie's talking about life or death. I don't like obviously. And Pip's like, where's the dad? I totally forgot his name. I just call him the dad in this. Anyway, so um, he's somewhere unknown right now, quote unquote, blowing off steam as dads do they being joanna and connor speculate what jamie could have needed money for and pip's like well what about his phone bill you said he's on his phone a bunch and the mom's like oh he made more than enough at the agency to cover that but like he wasn't actually working there but he had no other bills either so anyways then they think that jamie may have been looking for another job before he told the dad that he lost a job since that's already been like an ongoing issue which that's like a valid conclusion also they try to figure out who could have been talking to Jamie on the phone. The parents are like, Nat. Nat told Pip, though, that she couldn't get in contact with him the day of the memorial service, and he never showed up, blah, blah, blah. We remember this last episode. Whatever. Go binge him. So they're still trying to do the password into Jamie's computer. We get there later. And they're still going through the photos and videos of the Calamity Party because he was, like, looking at someone, blah, blah, blah. We get there. We find out who he was even looking for. It gets so good. Okay. The mom... Joanna asked to see what photo Pip used for the missing posters of Jamie. And then Joanna like excuses herself upstairs to go cry. So Pip's looking at the photo and she realizes she's like sitting in the same spot that the photo was taken. So she's just kind of like, I don't, whatever. We're moving the plot along. I don't know how to explain it. But long story short, she realizes that there's knives on the counter like back behind her. And there's one missing. It has a yellow band around i guess they're like color coded and connor scrambles and looks all over the kitchen and the dishwasher etc etc cannot find it the mom comes downstairs also can't find it where's this knife then the mom's like i made this meal on wednesday like whatever she says what it is and i would have used this specific knife to cut the eggplant i'm ocd i totally get what she's saying she would have used that knife she would have remembered it so she's like i probably used it on wednesday i don't specifically remember but if it wasn't there i would have known so then she's like it has to have been gone missing like sometime after that So Pip gives the knife set a Google and says, if you wanted to use a knife as a weapon, that's the one you would choose, the missing one. We get into that more. There's also like a photograph of the knife set on page 150. It's not really notable, but I can post it on social media like I did last time. Anyways, case notes three document. The missing knife. This is just Pip's notes. Okay. The knife is a six inch chef knife. 
And it must have been taken out of the house some point after Wednesday evening. We know this. Strange behavior. She has like head titles or like titles or whatever. The stealing money obviously is strange behavior. And Pip wonders if it could have to do with the watch that they found in his room. But the watch doesn't look new. And then the life or death statement, as I mentioned before, Jamie's life or someone else's. And then Pip brings up the dad not wanting to be a part of the investigation. Ding. I said I think he's out looking for Jamie and he just doesn't want to be emotional in front of his wife and son. So like, I don't know. I just don't feel like it could be two dads, two books in a row. But watch, I'll be the idiot. Clamity party. So Pip's working theory is that the someone Jamie saw at the memorial that he told Nat, oh, I see someone, blah, blah, blah. He followed to the calamity party. She also thinks it's likely the person is in her grade or grade below because that's who went to those stupid parties. At 929, Pip found a picture of people at the fireplace. There's nine of them. She lists them. None of them matter. I'm not going to list them. (laughs) Also, this photo doesn't overlap with the time that Jamie was looking at the fireplace. Spoiler, it's not any of them. So whatever, that's close she has. Open leads read page 153. I'm going to do that right now. More photos slash videos from the Calamity Party are being sent in. Go through. This is just like pip's notes so it's kind of like shorthand hillary f wiseman the only hillary f wiseman i can find is the 84 year old who died in fairview in 2008 oh bit she it's obituary she says she left behind one daughter and two grandsons but i can't find any other wiseman's why was jamie writing her name down within the last week and a half what's the connection who was Jamie on the phone with at 10.32 p.m.? Long conversation, 30 plus minutes. Same person he's been texting slash talking to in recent weeks? Question mark. Not Nat De Silva. The identity of quote unquote someone and why Jamie followed them from the memorial to the calamity. Stealing money? Question mark. Or not question mark. Dash mark. Why? Life or death? Question mark. Monday. Three days missing. Chapter 16. So Pip's like sitting in the back of her history class because that's a class that used to be taught by Mr. Ward. So it's super awkward. So she's like, I'm in the back. And like, I can explain how she like secretly hides from her teacher to look through this. Whatever. I'm thinking most of us have been in high school and like, whatever. I didn't have a cell phone in high school. Okay, I'm old. Whatever. Never mind. So anyway, she's looking at Calamity Party videos, hiding behind a book. That's all you need to know. So she gets an email from someone in her English class. Read page 158. Hey, Pip. Someone told me this morning you're looking for Connor's missing brother and that he was at the Calamity Party on Friday. This video is super embarrassing. Apparently, I sent it to my boyfriend at 9.49 when I was already super drunk. Please don't show it to anyone, but there's a guy in the background I don't recognize. See you at school. She also shows this to literally everyone. And it's not that embarrassing. She's just like zooming in, doing like Snapchat filters, whatever. So Pip watches the video and the very end of the video, she sees a girl walk away from the fireplace. And on the other side of the frame, Jamie is walking up to that same girl and taps her on the shoulder. And Pip recognizes who the girl is. But of course, we don't get told right away. Plus, we already like we don't know her. It's a new character. So after class, she shows Connor the video. And apparently this girl is Stella Chapman. Okay, so it's just like some girl that goes to their school. So they go to talk to this Stella girl before lunch. And Stella's like, um, I don't know, Jamie. And Pip's like, but what about this video? And Connor's like, my brother is missing and we're going to try to find him. So you better talk. And she's like, okay, I'll explain. It's not what you think. So <laughs> they interview her just like at school in a classroom, just like, by the way. But anyways, a good girl's guide to murder season two interview with Stella Chapman. And Connor leaves for this part because Pip's like, I got to focus. 
So Stella explains that at the party, Jamie approached her and said, Layla? Like he recognized her. And it's like, he's like, I didn't recognize you because you changed your hair. And she's like, no, that's not me. My name is Stella. I don't think, I don't know if she says it to him, but like, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Jamie's insistent. And he's like, it's me. It's Jamie. I know you from your photos. We've been talking for weeks. Why are you at a high school party? And finally, Stella's like, my name's not Layla. I don't know you. Leave me alone or I will scream my head off. And he like walks away, like clearly heartbroken. And Stella's like, what a freaking creep. And then Pip's like, uh, it's clear that Jamie was catfished and like someone used your photos. He also, she also asked Stella, like, do you post selfies? Blah, blah. She does. Obviously she's a teenager. And then, okay. I felt like really personally attacked by this, but she, she was like, I don't have many followers, like maybe 800 ish on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, my Jolly Reader podcast doesn't even have that many, but okay. (laughs) Follow me at the Jolly Reader Podcast. No, just kidding. Okay. But if you want to, you can. So anyways, um, this catfish must have told Jamie that I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to refer to the catfish as a she because later on they talk about how Jamie probably talked to who he thought was Stella on the phone. So we're going to assume it's a girl. I don't know. But if I say she, that's what I mean. Pip thinks that the catfish told Jamie that they were older. So that's why he was confused that she was at a high school party and then maybe like Photoshop to change her hair color because I think Stella's dark hair and Layla has blonde hair or something. Whatever. Stella also feels really bad about how she treated him like being like, oh, you're a creep. I'm going to scream, whatever. And now basically Jamie's missing right after he found out someone was catfishing him. So la ti da email from Harry Scythe. I don't know if I'm saying his last name. He works at a bookstore in Fairview. It has a really clever name. Did I not write it down? It's like, oh, it's bookseller, but it's like seller like wine seller, not like I sell books. Anyways, so after the memorial, him and his friends went to a friend's house on Weevil Road. Um, This guy's also like uh, older, like not in high school. Anyways, So when they were leaving at the end of the night, they think they saw Jamie walking past. And then once they saw the missing posters, they thought that that's who they saw. So they contacted Pip. He like sends her this email. So him and one of the other guys are at this bookstore right now because they all all four of these people work there. But anyway, so Harry's like, Pip, come stop by and talk to me if you want about what I saw. Chapter 17. She does. Oh, I have it right here at the bookseller. So anyway, so she goes to talk to these people that think they saw Jamie. So she does an interview with Harry, Sophie, and Mike. And then Lucy was also a witness, but she's not at work that day. Whatever details. It might become important. So anyways, all they say is they saw someone walking with purpose around 1140 up Weevil Road. And they didn't know if he turned off or anything like that. They just like saw a person passing. Like you wouldn't really think about what you saw. So anyways, Harry and Sophie are pretty sure they saw Jamie because they described what he's wearing. They said he was wearing a watch which wasn't on the missing person's poster. Spoiler, it's a Fitbit his butt of a dad gave him. And they also say that they thought he was wearing like red. And then Mike's not so sure. And he said, I thought he was wearing something like with a hood, a jacket with pockets. And Lucy thinks the same, but Lucy's not there to like confirm that. So then they say like nothing really stuck out, just that he was like in the hurry to be somewhere. But like, that's not that weird. Chapter 18. My first note is in all caps and it says screaming. I don't even remember exactly what happens. Okay. Pip and Connor are looking up different profiles on social media with the name Layla. And Ravi comes over to help. Also, there's like a gajillion different spellings of Layla. 
So anyways, Ravi comes over to help and they briefly talk about Max's trial because that's where he was all day. The last victim gave her testimony and then they use Annie Bell's burner phone to link Max to buying roofies from her. I think all this is going to come back around. So like I think Max is somehow connected in. Anyways, we'll get to my lingering questions later. But then Max's mom was talking about how Max had childhood leukemia, which is what my dad died from. So don't you dare, Max. Anyways, and how sensitive and caring and sweet he is, blah, blah, blah. So Ravi and Pip are going to record an update later. So back to the Layla thing. Connor and Pip tell Ravi about the potential sighting by the bookstore people. And Connor's not so sure because he's like, they couldn't agree on what Jamie was wearing that night. And Pip's like, oh, eyewitnesses are not reliable, but like, doesn't mean they didn't see him. Blah, blah, blah. We get there later. So they decide they're going to catch a catfish. Oh, I remember happens. I am screaming. Okay. So they use Ravi's photos to set up a Tinder profile. And then they do like a three mile radius because she like obviously knows things about the town they live in. And Jamie didn't seem surprised to see Layla at the memorial just at the calamity party. I asked for the millionth time, how big is this town? Because like, it's so small. We can walk everywhere, but I don't know people that live here. Like I grew up in a small town. I definitely would know Oh, that's so-and-so's cousin, so-and-so, and the grandpa worked for my mom down the street. <sighs> okay. So anyways, focus. They find a Layla who's 25, less than a mile away. The picture has been filtered so much that it looks like she has blonde hair instead of brown like Stella's, but it's Stella's picture. And <laughs> Pip makes a comment about how blondes have more fun, and Ravi's like, yeah, you're a brunette and actually hate fun, so that checks. And I'm like, okay, so what do I have? Do I have, like, chaos? Mental illness? What is this? What does this color, this purple, do for me? Anyways, there's a link from the what were they on Tinder to Layla's Instagram account, and they go to that and they're like, "Oh, she has 500 followers." Stop it, everybody! I want some followers. This is just rude at this point. Like, is that the average? Actually, I, honest, Scott, I don't know how many followers I have, but. I would love to have you as one listener. Okay, so um, the profile was made February 16th. So that's two months ago when Jamie was happy and texting on his phone a bunch. This is what Connor told us last episode. And then Jamie is also one of her followers on Instagram. Oh my gosh, did I not mention this? I don't think so. But when they're... Oh, I didn't. Okay, so when they're uh, looking through Tinder... They also see, sorry, backup, Sophie from the bookstore and Naomi on there. So she's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to tell Naomi we saw her on Tinder. So anyways, okay, so Jamie is one of Layla's followers on Instagram. And so is their new history teacher, Adam Clark Gasp. (laughs) They don't mention this, but like I'm saying, shouldn't he know who Stella is? Because if he does, that's super creepy that he thinks he's like following one of his students and liking her photos. And I ask again, how big is this school? I don't care if he's new. You should recognize a student. So anyways, Pip, Connor, and Ravi decide to message this Layla account. and But they're like, oh, we can't message it from our stuff or they'll be suspicious, whatever. So Connor's like, I have this profile that I just take black and white photos and post it. And I'm not friends with any of you guys. And I just do it for fun. I didn't tell you because I don't want to be made fun of. You will not be made fun of. Do your art. Anyways, so they use that profile. Buckle up, chick. Okay, that was a horrible buckle up noise but anyways they send a message that says hey how are you and almost immediately there's a response from Layla that says hello Pip hello Pip how the heck does this person know that then there's another message that comes up and says you're getting closer smiley face chapter 19 so clearly they're freaking out about this message like 
oh my gosh, how does this person even know they're using a fake account to talk to him and how they know it's Pip? That's super creepy. So Pip goes to respond, but this Layla person has disabled the account, including the Facebook and the Tinder and the Instagram, all of it. It's all gone. So I they say disabled. I don't know. If, how would you know if it was disabled or if it was actually like just they just blocked her but anyways i don't know they don't specify so then later ravi is getting ready to leave and there's like a knock on the door and it's charlie so this is the neighbor that moved into zach's old house so he says okay i saw the missing poster in the newspaper i have some information about jamie so they all go over to charlie's house and that's like 40 doors down or whatever he has a doorbell cam on tuesday early morning the camera detected motion and it was jamie and he looks scared so he's like in front of their house he opens up their window and he's only in the house for 41 seconds that is quick like i'd be tripping i don't know if i could get in and out of a window of my own house in 41 seconds but anyways charlie only realized this yesterday because flora noticed something was missing it was her watch that she left on a table by the window and then pip confirms like, they asked, what did it look like? Blah, blah, blah. This is the watch that was in Jamie's bedroom. And Flora's like, it wasn't expensive. It was just sentimental. Like, I think, uh, whatever, Charlie, I couldn't think of his name, gave it to her on their first Christmas or something. So basically, the whole situation is really strange. And Pip says she'll return the watch, obviously. And that this isn't, like, the Jamie she knows. She's like, I'm really sorry. I don't know, like, why he would do this. And Charlie says that, like, some people are pretty good at hiding who they really are. Dun, dun, dun. Anyways. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, Season 2, Episode 1, Outro. Pip basically talks about, like, the statistics of a missing person. Like, the first 48 hours are the most important. Whatever. Because we're past the 72-hour mark with Jamie right now. And she says that everything's linked to this Layla Mead. I don't know if I said her last name or her fake last name or whatever. And, like, who's a person who doesn't even exist, but everything's linked back to it. Tuesday, four days missing, chapter 20. Oh my gosh, I didn't even say what pages or chapters I was covering. Anyways, sorry about that. Connor is reading the comments for like the podcast or whatever, because like the first episode's out, whatever. And they're not very nice. It really gets to him. It's like something you just need to like read for yourself to get like the full impact of it. But anyways, they go to Mr. Clark's classroom. This is the new history teacher that's also friends with Layla or whatever. So anyways, Pip tells him that they're looking into the disappearance of Jamie and he's like, oh, you should talk to a counselor or whatever. And she's, Pip's like, I don't care. Do you know Layla Mead? And he's like, uh, no. But he's like shifty and nervous, obviously. And Pip's like, well, that's strange because you liked a bunch of her posts on social media then. And Mr. Clark's like, um, I don't want anything to do with this conversation, <laughs> basically. And he's like, the school has a strict policy after finding out what mr warden andy did so like obviously he's like i shouldn't even be talking to you like alone in the room actually they're not alone but you know whatever because connor's there so pip asks if he knew that layla was using the picture of a current student stella and he's like i didn't know at the time because i didn't teach her uh that's your responsibility but anyways but he says when he saw stella walk down the hall he like unfollowed the account but i'm pretty sure earlier they said he was still following it but that's neither here nor there maybe they just saw that he liked some of the pictures I don't know. So she basically says she won't tell the school that he did this if he gives an interview about what he knows about Layla and like she'll black out his name and like all the important information. And then he's like, is this blackmail? She's like, no, it's just persuasion. Okay. So he does it because being a teacher is hard, y'all, especially to high schoolers. Okay. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder season two interview with Adam Clark, except for I thought she was going to like redact his name. But anyways, so he says he never met Layla in real life, obviously. 
But Layla is the one that instigated the conversation first. And he wouldn't go into the particulars of the conversation, but obviously they were like flirtatious, etc. But she told him that she was 25 and she lived with her dad and worked in New York, but she was on sick leave at the moment. And she wouldn't say what she was sick with. And he's like, I didn't want to pry. What? What is with these people? I'd be like, hey, tell me every detail. When did you first, do you felt a little cough, a little phlegmy? Are you sure it's not COVID? I would want to know everything. Anyways, so he said that they only spoke for a week. Also, I met Josh online, by the way, and I probably asked him a million things. We'll have to ask him about that sometime. So anyways, she asked a lot of questions about him and his siblings, his family, where he lived, etc. And he was like, it was really nice that someone like wanted to hear about me for once instead of talking about themselves. It's like, no, that seems like really creepy that they're not sharing anything about themselves. But anyways, then she stopped messaging him and completely ghosted him randomly. And Mr. Clark's like... Pip's like, well, what what was the last thing you guys talked about? And he's like, well, the last thing I told her was that I was a, well, this is all like redacted, but we fill in the blanks, a teacher at whatever school they go to. And I, ding, I feel like she ghosted him because she probably assumed he would figure out she was using pictures of a student, like once she found out that he was a teacher. But I have like another theory later on. So anyways, Mr. Clark ends the interview by basically saying that she never slipped up. She's a really good catfish because he believed everything she said. She's probably not that good. He's probably just a dumb boy. Sorry for my dumb boys that listen, but you know what I'm saying. I love you. The boys that listen to this are not dumb. You're geniuses. So anyways, chapter 21. Pip and all her friends are at lunch when Lauren's ex-boyfriend, this is just Pip's friend, whatever, Tom comes over and he says he has some information for Pip and Lauren and Aunt, you know, they're always sucking face or whatever. They're like really weird about it. And they're like, you, this is just an excuse to talk to Lauren or whatever. And Pip's like, shut up. The only person impressed by this is Lauren. So just like go back to sucking face. I want to know what's going on because he has information about Jamie. That's like literally what happens. So then... Tom says that around 10.50, which is 15 minutes after Jamie was seen leaving the party, Tom saw Jamie walking down Cross Lane and enter a house, a house with a blue door. This is so drawn out, so I'm just like getting to it, but he wasn't talking on his phone, and the only house with that description on that street is Nat Da Silva's house. So Tom couldn't tell who opened the door, but he's sure that Jamie went inside. So I'm like, it could be Nat's boyfriend or Nat or whatever. Who knows? Okay. The Hillary F. Wiseman lead. So... This is like a blog post. I assumed it was written by Connor, but I'm like, I don't think that's correct. It's just someone, I don't know, whatever. It's like uh, on Tumblr or something. So anyways, it basically says that the writer of this post doesn't think that Hillary is a person, but a meeting place. So Hillary, the person would be her gravesite because it's an 84-year-old woman who died 12 years ago, which they heard in Pip's podcast. And they're like, maybe the L is like... Or maybe I think it said left. Uh, left is the left side of the grave. And then the 11 would be the meeting time, 11 o'clock. So the post ends with what do you guys think? Chapter 22. So Pip and Ravi go to the graveyard to check out the lead from Reddit. So, okay. Which was just some random person. Or it could be this Layla person just trying to like be like, you're getting closer. Let me help you out. Who knows? So anyways, they have to walk past the Bell's house to get there. And Jason Bell gives Pip a really dirty look because obviously she was like, you're the reason your daughter killed your other daughter. So anyways, they're talking about why Nat would have lied about Jamie going over to her house. So this is like kind of their running theory. So like either like Nat didn't want to say that Jamie came over in front of her boyfriend, Luke, because he's like an intense dude and they're dating, whatever, or because she doesn't want to be involved in this because last time Pip basically accused her of murdering Andy or because she was actually involved, which I like least likely for sure. So they do know 
that Jamie was seen alive by the bookshop people after he would have gone to Nat's house, though. So, like, she didn't murder him, obviously. Well, I mean, she could have, but you know what I mean. So Pip and Ravi are searching the graveyard. Ravi finds the Hillary F. Wiseman grave. It's behind some trees and hedges, so you wouldn't be able to see people from, like, the path if they were standing at this grave site. And there's also flowers on the grave, and it says... Dear mom, happy birthday. Miss you every day. Love, Mary, Harry, and Joe. And as they're looking at this, they see Stanley, the reporter, Forbes. I removed trash can because he's actually like helpful in this book, but he was still a little trash last time. So anyways, he says he's going to go. He's like kind of startled, but he's like, I'm uh, trying to talk to the pastor at the church because of like some article I'm writing, which I'm not sure if that's true or not because he's all shifty about it. But anyways, Pip asks if he knows the family of the woman, Hillary Wiseman. And the daughter's named Mary and then maybe two grandsons, Harry and Joe. And Stanley's like, oh, yeah, I know her. Mary's the one that volunteers at the paper with me and her son's Harry and Joe. Harry works at the bookstore. Harry's one of the guys that claims to have seen Jamie the night of disappearance. Like, this is all connected. How? I may never know. Okay, we'll probably find out next week. But still, I don't know right now. So Pip thanks Stanley for the information and he walks up to the church. Chapter 23. Pip goes to Connor's house because the mom called her over and joanna and they start talking about how people saw jamie in maroon shirt and then two people saw him in the hoodie or whatever i said maroon whatever i think it's red anyways joanne's like i looked everywhere he has this black hoodie he wears all the time and i can't find it i as well have a black hoodie i wear all the time so anyways jamie would have had to come home at some point to get the hoodie because at the memorial service, which Pip saw him as well there, he didn't have a bag with him. He didn't have a sweatshirt with him. Nothing. He didn't tie it around his waist like it's the early 90s. So also, this means Jamie could have taken the knife from the butcher's block at the house that's missing because he returned home that night if he was, in fact, wearing a sweatshirt. So Pip calculates that he would have to been would have had to be home between 10.45 and 11.25 because that's how long it would have taken to walk from where they know where he's been or whatever. But, oh, wait, that's not right. So he was at Nat's house at 10.50. I don't know. So whatever, 10. So pretty much between 11 and 11.25. But the dad supposedly got home from the restaurant at 11.15. Long story short, I don't know the timeline. is very complicated. So basically the dad should have seen Jamie at home. But also... Like, I'm saying, ding, doesn't Jamie sneak in and out of his bedroom all the time? Like, his window? Couldn't he have done that? I mean, I guess he got a knife from the kitchen, but what if the dad's, like, in some back room or took a shower or something? I don't know. The dad didn't do it. That's all I'm saying. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just, that's what I'm saying. So, anyways, there's another thing they found in Jamie's room. Halfway down the hamper is a gray sweatshirt Jamie was wearing on his birthday, and it had dry blood on it. Seven small drops, and then a longer smear on the cuff of one sleeve. They clearly jumped to worst case scenario. He murdered someone, or he got murdered, whatever. It sounds like a bloody nose to me. Your nose starts dripping, and then you wipe your face with your sleeve. Whatever. And also, why would you put it back in the hammer, hamper if you murdered someone? Why would you do that? Oh, here's my murder blood. Mom, please wash it for me. So anyways, Jamie's mom is crying at this point about how she doesn't even know this version of her son. And she makes a comment about how he would always call her Joe Mama. I don't know. Whatever. It's a really long story. But long, long, long story short, a version of Joe Mama is his password for his computer and they open it. Chapter 24. They start by looking through his search history. Uh, it's not what I would expect from a 24-year-old boy, but that's just me. So anyways, I'm just going to list like the notable things they find. The Thursday before he went missing, he searched Nat De Silva rape trial Max Hastings, which is not that weird because that's his friend and that's like something I would Google if it's going on in my town. 
On his birthday, he Googled what counts as an assault and how to fight. A few days before that, he looked up controlling fathers, which we know his dad is controlling. So still not, it's not the dad. So Tuesday the 7th, which I think is the day of the trial, the trial started when he took the watch. He searched brain cancer, brain tumors, malignant brain tumor, brain cancer clinical trials. And they asked the mom, like, does he know anyone that had brain cancer? And she's like, uh, no. I know two people that had brain cancer. They're both still alive too, which is insane. But anyways, I'm thinking Layla said that she had brain cancer because that's like a catfish thing to do. Watch one episode of Catfish. Anyways, after that, he searched how to make money quickly. So like, I'm thinking Layla was like, I'm dying of brain cancer or or whatever. And you need to send me money. I don't know. So maybe that's why he stole the watch. But like, it wasn't that valuable. I don't know. So anyways, then they log into his Instagram because he saved his password like we all do. And then Pip's mom is calling her because she missed curfew, whatever. So Pip is like, can I take his laptop home so we can like look through it? But wait, there's more. So Pip's like shutting the laptop down and she sees an icon for Fitbit. And Connor says like, oh yeah, Jamie will wear his Fitbit to keep the dad happy because that's what the dad gave him for his birthday because he's butt. So this would also be like the black watch that the witnesses said they saw him wearing. So obviously they see if this thing has a GPS. It doesn't. So then there's like no data for the day, like the current day they're on. So they go back to like the last time Jamie was seen. So... This is all like according to Fitbit steps, whatever. They calculate it all out. He was walking up until midnight that night, just under a mile. And then it goes on to the next day because obviously 12.01, that's the next day. But before she looks at that, she looks at the heart rate from the day, the last time he was seen. It was elevated during the time that Connor said that Jamie and the dad got in a fight before the memorial. And it was also rising leading up to midnight. The next day... There's only 2,571 steps total, and his heart rate's at 158 at this time, which is pretty high. So then everything just zeroes out just before 1230, which, like, fits with the mom's text not being delivered at 1236 because your Fitbit has to sync with your phone. So clearly his phone was off or something caused it not to sync, whatever. But Connor and his mom's like, he's dead. He died. His heart stopped that second. No, just, like, the watch or the phone stopped working. Anyways, case notes four. Pip's looking through the Instagram DMs between Jamie and Layla, and she thinks they first met on Tinder, then they moved to Instagram, and then they moved to texting. So the Instagram messages are like flirty and chatty and whatever, and Layla is like, what are you doing for your upcoming 30th birthday? Which is really strange, because Jamie only turned 24. And he also, like in the messages, notes that he lives alone in an apartment, which we also know is not true, because he lives with his parents and his brother. So then Jamie sends this message Repage 241. Get your tea bags ready. Boil some water because it's coming. Listen, Layla, I have to tell you something. It's not easy to say, but I really like you. Really. I haven't felt like this about anyone ever. And so I need to be honest with you. I'm not actually 29. I'm turning 24 in a few weeks. And I'm not successful portfolio manager for a financial company in New York. That wasn't true. I'm working as a receptionist at a job a family friend got for me. And I don't own a house. I live at home still with my parents and my brother. I'm so sorry. My intention was never to deceive anyone, especially not you. I'm not even sure why I made it up all those lies for my profile. I made it when I was in a really bad place, feeling very self-conscious about myself, my life, or lack thereof. And so I think I just invented the person I want to be instead of the real me, which was wrong, and I'm sorry. 
but I hope to be that man one day and meet someone like you that makes me want to try. I'm so sorry, Layla, and I understand if you're angry with me, but if it's okay, I'd really like to keep talking to you. You make everything better. So Layla doesn't reply for three days and Jamie's desperately just like sending her message after message. Don't do that, you guys. Just let it go. Someone just just don't. Just it's unbecoming. That was a shout out to Josh. Just just they're not worth it. They don't want to talk to you. Never beg someone to talk to you. Anyways, after three days, Jamie's like, I would do anything for you. And Layla's like, oh, anything. Hmm. Hmm. Anything. Question mark. And then she's like, let's move this to text. Give me your number. So that's sketchy. Pretty sus. So other notes, Pip looks into heart rate ranges and like the 158 is described as someone who's in a flight or fight situation response, whatever. You know what I mean? So there's map. Oh, yeah. There's a map with sightings and search area, whatever. Because like what they do is they take his steps and then they find a search perimeter, blah, 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 blah. So I can post a picture, whatever. Wednesday, five days missing. Volunteer search party for Jamie Reynolds. This is like a Facebook invite thing for kids out of her school. And she posts something about like, we're going to look for Jamie. I need volunteers, whatever. Chapter 25. There's 88 volunteers, which that seems like a lot. Good work. So anyways, they split into three groups led by Pip, Kara, and Connor. And they're searching the perimeter that the Fitbit says Jamie could have walked in, whatever. And then also like one group, I think it's Connor's groups, knocking on doors to see if anyone saw Jamie that night, et cetera, et cetera. Ravi shows up and says he can't wait for the verdict in Max's trial tomorrow because, like, obviously he's trash. They're searching, 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 don't find anything. Then Kara calls Pip and she tells Pip, like, come to the abandoned farmhouse on Sacamore Road. You know the one. She doesn't know that one because, fun fact, that's where Becca hid Andy's body in a septic tank for, like, five years. So, anyways... Pip gets there and everyone is around a small cluster of trees, like all the search party people, because they found a knife, the same knife that was missing with the yellow band. So Pip calls for the police and she gets like the operator or whatever. She's like, send whoever you have. Come here. And they're like, we'll be there in 15 minutes. I'll give you one guess who ends up showing up. But anyways, we're not there yet. So while they wait, Ravi and Pip go into this abandoned farmhouse and there's like trash cans turned over to make like stools and scattered food and wrappers and beer bottles and weed butts and whatever. So clearly people have been coming there to hang out and smoke and whatever. And Ravi's like, you know, it's kind of a charm, I guess, that Andy died here. Like people are weird like that, whatever. So anyways, so Pip and Ravi are going to do a stakeout to see if they can find anyone that may have seen Jamie that night since the knife's there, et cetera, et cetera. Next episode, I'm assuming, because we don't get to it because we're at the end. So the police arrive. And of course, who is it? It's Daniel De Silva and his partner. So Pip's trying to explain like there's a knife, blah, blah, blah. It's evidence. You need to take this serious. Daniel's like, did you place this here? And Pip's like, of course not. And the partner's like, I'll take it into evidence. Don't worry about it. So she's like, oh, I don't know, walking back to the car. So when the partner's out of ear range, Daniel's like, I better not find out that you're wasting my time or police's time. Okay. And Pip goes on to say something like something bad happened to Jamie and could be foul play. And he was talking to a woman named Layla Mead online. And Pip stops because Daniel like makes some face when she says the name. And Pip's like, oh, you know, Layla, too. You've been talking to her, too, haven't you, Daniel? And Daniel's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. And then Pip continues and asks if he knows who like Layla really is. And Daniel's like, no, like, I don't want to hear another word about this. If I ever hear another word, you can't. And then he like basically threatens her, dot, 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 whatever. And then he goes back to his partner. So then there's a photograph of the knife outside the abandoned farmhouse on page 257, which I can put on social media. Case notes, number five, the knife. 
This is like Pip's case notes, not mine, because my lingering questions are next. The knife. Why did Jamie need a knife? And why was he so afraid? What was he so afraid of? Why wouldn't Arthur, that's Jamie's dad, have known that Jamie was home? Something isn't right with the timeline and someone must be lying. Pip wants to try to talk to Nat while her boyfriend's not there. Daniel Da Silva. He's been talking to Layla clearly and he might like just not want his wife to find out because like if you remember last time like that's not out of character for him to be talking to younger women or whatever but Layla has been talking to three people she thought was 29 about to turn 30 and they all look somewhat similar. The farmhouse. Jamie clearly was there Friday night. I don't know if clearly is the right word but that's what she says. Then also like the place isn't completely abandoned so she needs to get more information on the people that hang out there stakeout tonight pip plans on sneaking out of her house just before midnight to meet connor Kara, and ravi after her parents fall asleep lingering questions and theories it's really just one big theory so layla is looking for someone that's 30 about to turn 30 or whatever that lives in this town that has brownish hair so i'm wondering like this is weird but like is she looking for max because like if she was a roofie victim she might like only remember certain things and i think max is about that age and like jamie wasn't the right age so she stopped talking to him i don't know i don't know i it's a loose theory but it's there so also like this person knows pip but like in my theory doesn't know who they're looking for specifically i don't know and then i said i think this layla person wanted revenge and wanted jamie to help her get it and i don't think jamie's dad's involved which i've screamed all episode so in closing, thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at the Jolly Reader Podcast. Please subscribe to get notifications for new episodes that are posted. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review because it helps other crewmates find this podcast. Please share. And also, if you want to check out the YouTube, I will show you my new cat that we got. His name is Chance. Oh, there he is. Look how cute he is. He's so cute. He's so cute. If you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes. And I will talk to you next time for the final part of good girl bad blood until we sail again this has been the jolly reader bon voyage hey you made it to the outtakes let's do it (laughs) why is this not working testing i also feel like it's not very loud recording volume okay but i'm also not screaming that jamie or no sorry backtrack blah blah blah. i have no idea joanna and connor so that's uh why i literally always forget jamie's name jamie's jamie could have needed or they speculate what jamie could have needed for money oh josh is texting me my camera's over here he's leaving for work i'm dying and have tons to tell you when i get home oh the tea is scolding at my house and he also said happy recording okay anyways um or just like assume that i have a typo i don't know what i was trying to say there anyways it's not really notable but i can post it on social media like i did for last time i did for last time like i did last time anyways okay before we get into this i literally cannot stop thinking about what my husband wants to tell me he's got some tea i can tell so okay (laughs) focus my daughter also put hearts and a balloon on my book for when i was doing this anyways 153 did i not the knife is a six-inch chef knife. That's what she said. <laughs> I'm 12 years old. My name's not Leia. Layla, not Leia. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly what happens, but I'm going to take a quick water break, though, because my throat's dying. Okay. They find a Layla 20, less than 25. What? No.
restart. Thought my small child needed something. Anyways. And on, <laughs> speak of doorbell cams, like this go the outtakes, whatever. Um, one time there was a stray cat and I was trying to like lure it so I could take it to the shelter or whatever. And I put food out and then we found this huge raccoon and he was just like living his best life. And then Waffle was looking out the window at him. Anyways, we called him Big King Trash Mouth. So <laughs> anyways, Charlie only realized this yesterday. Ah, oh my gosh, my child. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm re- that child scared me. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> the amazing Ellie. She's creeping out of here. Go. I love you. So anyways, um, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder Season 2. I don't know why I have one. Oh, no, no. Season 2, Episode 1, Outro. Should probably try that again. Here's a small child. She's looking for a stapler. <laughs> anyways, so... Uh, James' mom, James, my back hurts. Okay. And Dan, Daniel's like, um, did you place this knife here? Josh just got home. I am Allie, and you are with me to my mom. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.